0: Today we are continuing both where we left off last week, as we've been working our way throughout Luke's Gospel, uh, but also starting off afresh as we're going to be starting a new series um, that we're calling Discipleship. Uh, Last week we looked at the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 6, and as we continue to, to make our... Away through this there's a sort of dividing line and we're now going to switch focus slightly and from looking at where how Jesus changes everything as we encounter him and his battles with the religious leaders that we've looked at over the last few weeks to how Jesus gathers his disciples around him and how he helps them to explore the unexpected call that Jesus offers to us all as we follow him. In our reading today, Jesus appoints some apostles to start, to, and he starts to teach them what he wants his disciples and what he wants the leaders of his people to do. This is, in essence, the start of Jesus' discipleship training school, uh, where he shows us what it's really like to follow him, and we're going to be looking at that in a little bit more detail uh, with Julia next week. But before we go any further, let's pray and listen to God's word together and then think about what it might mean for us today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it reveals about who you are, about what you have done for us and how you have called us and invited us to follow you as your people. Lord, we praise you that you are the God of the unexpected. And Lord, this morning we pray that there might even be something unexpected that we hear from you this morning as we uh, seek to follow you and worship you for the great love that you have shown to each one of us we pray in jesus name amen so if you want to turn to your bibles um the words will also be up on the screen as we go through we're looking at luke chapter 6 and we're starting at verse 12 and working our way down to verse 19 this morning. So that's Luke 6, 12 to 19. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whose name was, who's, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. This morning, I want to base my message around one question, and it might be a question you've not been asked very frequently in church. Whose gang are you in? Whose gang are you in? It might be shocking to you to hear that I've been in quite a few gangs during the time I know when you think gangster you get this Uh, but uh, i've been in quite a few different groups of gangs over the years when i was at school i had a great group of friends um one of them's now a property developer another's an engineer and another one's a neurosurgeon and i wouldn't let near me with a compass yet alone a surgery knife but he does amazing things and makes people walk again but they were my gang when we were at school we hung out together we spent time together we spent our lunch times together it was that was our gang when I was at university, I was in another gang. This time, we didn't gather around our school group, but we, gathered, we, we bonded together, of all things, over cupcakes and dancing to cheesy d- music on a night out. Uh, I mean, when it comes to gang initiations, that's how we roll uh, at the Montford University. And even now, uh, at the age of 40... No, 38... Uh, <laughs> aging myself quite considerably. Uh, even now, I'm in gangs. Just this week, I met up with a group of Baptist ministers across our city who all gather to meet and pray and encourage one another, and we're a gang. We get alongside one another and share together. So, what gang are you in? Who are your gang? Maybe for some of us, I hope it's true for all of us, that come into our church is your gang or one of your gangs. This is one of the gangs that I'm a part of. Uh, Maybe you have a particular team uh, that you work with closely or a long-standing group of friends, and we'd sit there and say, do you know what, they're my people. They are my gang. One thing that unites all of us is that we are all created to live in community. We are tribal people. We're created to be in gangs, to live in community. There's a hunger and a belonging with, and a longing within each one of us to be in a gang, to have a community that we can truly belong to, to have a group who are with us and for us, a tribe of people who we can live our lives with in purpose. So who is your gang and what is it that makes them your gang? Today as we look at this passage we're going to see that Jesus himself also has a gang and it's a gang that we can all be a part of today. But like any gang this is A gang that has an unwritten code that defines and helps keep this group of people together. And so we're going to look a little bit about what are the traits of this gang this morning. Now as we read the passage this morning, um, so far, up and and let me just catch you up if you've not been with us the last few weeks. As we look through uh, Luke 5, we've seen a little bit of a turf war going on. Okay, so Jesus has been doing some amazing things. He's been healing and transforming people's lives. And his gang have been doing their thing, and it's been getting some real traction. But as Jesus has been doing his thing, he's also been clashing with the religious leaders and their gang. And there's been this tension and this argument between them and this struggle between the two different groups. We've seen how the religious leaders have struggled to embrace the new era that Jesus was inviting his people in to experience. Today, as we move into this passage, it seems like the turf war has calmed down for a little bit. Uh, The religious religious leaders, if you remember last week, all went off in a mindless rage um, and seemed to have left Jesus alone for a little bit. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to gather his gang around him and to appoint some new leaders and some apostles Uh, to help him in all that he is doing now as we turn to this morning's passage you could be forgiven to just reading the first part of uh, the passage and thinking well that's just a bunch of names Matt Uh, what really do you expect us to be able to take from a bunch of names it's just Jesus choosing some of his mates but behind these names Jesus is making a much bigger point point. It's not so much the names in this passage that is important, but it's the number of names that Jesus includes within his gang. You see, throughout the Bible, at the core of the identity of God's people was the tribe that they belonged to. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people were known as the children of Abraham, the 12 tribes of Israel. These 12 tribes were the framework and the leadership structure throughout the Old Testament. But now Jesus is setting up a new gang, a new people, a new leadership structure to go into the new era that he is bringing into being. No longer are God's people defined by the 12 tribes of Israel, but instead Jesus takes a break and he says, no, I'm going to appoint 12 new apostles to lead my gang going forward. As Jesus starts his ministry, he brings a new era into being. He's drawing a line under the old way of doing things and he's setting up a new tribe. This new tribe or gang of disciples will be totally difficult, different to all that have gone before. No longer will they be defined by their heritage and the ways of the past. This new tribe will have a new way of living. No longer are they just bound by the law, but instead they will have freedom in the grace and love of Jesus. They are living as Jesus taught them, loving one another as he loved them, that through his love they might know that they are his disciples, as Jesus tells us in John 13. Jesus doesn't want his new gang to just maintain the status quo. He calls his disciples into a new identity, an identity that is not defined by our social and our cultural roots. He's inviting us to join a new tribe, a new community, a new community with Jesus at the centre, a tribe of people coming together as one to stand under one name, and that is the name of Jesus. Jesus is starting a new tribe, a new gang of people who are going to live their lives in a way that is totally different to anything that has gone before. This morning, we are not just the gang at Arby Road Baptist Church. We are a part of this new tribe that Jesus started right here back in Luke 6, But when you are in a gang, you have a choice to make. Do I really want to belong to this gang or this new tribe or this new community of people? As Jesus sets up his new tribe of disciples, the question is will you join his tribe? Will you choose to be in his gang? Will you leave all the other gangs to one side and say, no, my primary responsibility, my primary gang, my primary community, that is to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a part of his gang. Will you put your allegiance to Jesus above your family and your hereditary roots? Are you willing to associate yourself with Jesus above the places where you live, or or the job that you do, or even the football team that you support? Jesus is setting up a new tribe, a new gang of disciples. But do you want to be a part of it? As Jesus sets up this new gang, he then goes on to appoint some gang leaders, and verse 17 tells us that Jesus was attracting a large crowd of disciples that were coming from all over the place to come and see him. So clearly there was a practical need for Jesus to be able to appoint some leaders to come and support him in his ever-growing gang of followers. But as we'll see later on, Jesus is cre- also creating space to be able to empower, release, and equip his disciples to be his representatives for the long haul as well. As Jesus appoints these, uh, these new leaders to his tribe, uh, verse 13 tells us that he starts with prayer. As a church, we're in a season of discerning and praying who are the new leaders who are going to serve and help lead this tribe of gods of people here in this place. And as a church Uh, Let us learn from Jesus' example as we go throughout this process. Before we appoint anyone, let's ensure that this is God's will rather than our will. That we are spending time in prayer saying, is this God what you want, not what I want? Having prayed, Jesus then comes down and he gathers his group around him and he chooses 12 leaders And it's fascinating to see and to think about the people that Jesus chose to be his core leadership group. Now, Jesus had met many wonderful candidates to be some great leaders of this new movement that he was leading uh, people into. He'd spoken in synagogues. He'd met with religious and community leaders. And all of these people would have been great logical choices to be leaders in this new movement that Jesus was starting. They'd been trained. They had experience. They had good reputation. They had it all. Surely they were the people that Jesus could choose to lead his new gang. But Jesus doesn't appoint the expected leadership team. In fact, the people you think that might have been good leaders, as we heard last week, had just gone off into a mindless rage because they were all fuming at what Jesus was doing and they couldn't get their heads around it. So sometimes the expected people don't get what Jesus is trying to do. So instead, Jesus chooses 12 guys to help lead his gang of disciples. Now, most of us today, if we've been around churches, will be familiar with some of these names. You know, we know Matthew, we know Judas, we know Simon. Um, We get some of of the ideas of these names. But to anyone back in the day, when Jesus was inviting these people, these guys were absolute nobodies. They were the equivalent of you and me, uh, just being picked out of a crowd and saying, yeah, I want you to become one of my co-leaders. Come along and do it. And you're thinking... What, me? I'm totally unequipped to be able to do that. These guys were fishermen. They were tradesmen. They were, there was a tax collector. Even someone Jesus knew who would ultimately go on to betray him, Jesus chose to be one of his leaders. Who chooses a traitor to be a part of their gang? And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. It was an unexpected call to be a part of Jesus' leadership team. This group were not the brightest and the best. They had little that they could offer. They had no training, no experience. They had no reputation. And yet Jesus chose them to lead his gang of disciples. Jesus doesn't look for qualified people. Instead, he qualifies those that he calls and appoints. There's a really significant difference there. Jesus, When we have little that we can offer to Jesus, it's then when he can offer do the most through us. Not by my power, but by his power at work in me. In churches around the world, there are too many people who think that we have to be qualified in order to be a follower of jesus that we have to be qualified before we can step into some way of serving jesus the story of the bible is the total opposite if you've got some qualification generally you can't serve jesus usually jesus gets the people who have no qualifications at all last week we heard about king david who was without doubt one of the greatest and most successful leaders in the Old Testament, and yet he started out as a simple shepherd. Not an ounce of expectation that he would become a king, and yet that's exactly what God did through him. From this group of 12 unexpected apostles... The church has grown and continued to grow for 12 or 2,000 years, spreading across the world to what we see around the globe and right here in this place today. If today you feel like you are not qualified enough for Jesus, can I encourage you to think again? Maybe you are just the right amount of unqualified that God could reveal just how awesome and qualified he is throughout your life. Maybe you are just the right amount of unqualified for God to do something extraordinary as you follow him. Maybe you're even the right amount of unqualified to join or maybe even lead Jesus' gang. And if I can just take a moment to speak to our church family briefly, if you are being appointed or, or being approached about considering church membership or being an, uh, a church leader in our church at the moment, can I encourage you, don't think how qualified you are to do the job. Think about, is God calling me to do this? Because God takes unqualified people and he does wonderful things. And may we as a church not just look for the qualified, but may we look for those that God is calling as we go throughout this process jesus chose some unexpected leaders for his gang but this passage also goes on to tell us about the rest of the gang as well we can often think about the disciples and we think oh there was only 12 of them you know jesus and the 12 but it's clear throughout this passage that there was an awful lot more people than that who were disciples and followers of jesus Verse 17 tells us that a large crowd of Jesus' disciples had gathered together to hear Jesus speak. But as well as this crowd of disciples, there was also a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem as well. Now, what this tells us is that there's a difference and a dividing line between a disciple and a part of the crowd. Uh, there's a difference between following Jesus and being a spectator who is looking to see what is going on. Now to understand this a little bit more, let's consider what the word disciple means. The word disciple literally means learner or better understood to be an apprentice of Jesus. A disciple learns the skill and the passion and the craft of the person that they are following. So we are people who look at Jesus and say, I want to be like him. I want to be more like Jesus. So a disciple is not just someone who comes to see what is going on, but a disciple is someone who is actively engaged. They're getting involved. They're learning and they're developing. They're growing into the person that Jesus wants them to be. They are learning from the example of Jesus. A disciple is someone who has skin in the game And they embody the DNA of the gang. This morning, let me ask a simple question. Are you a part of the gang or are you just watching from the crowd? Jesus wants to include you in his tribe. He wants to include you in this new gang that he's calling us to be a part of. But the question is, are you joining in? Or are you just standing from the sidelines sort of watching what's going on? At our recent church members meeting, we were talking about being wonky disciples. Uh, the, the idea being that uh, discipleship is about loving and obeying God with our heads, our hands and our hearts and it's very easy to become wonky, to become imbalanced in our discipleship. So we think that being a good disciple is about loving God with our heads or obeying God with our heads. You know, it becomes about what we know rather than what we do. But holistic discipleship, balanced discipleship is about all three. It's about obeying and, a loving, and loving God with both our heads, but also our hands, and also our hearts as we follow Jesus. Knowing lots of stuff about Jesus is not enough to follow Jesus. We also need to let that knowledge work down into our hearts and into our hands that we might truly embody the DNA of who Jesus is calling us to be. It's very easy to come to church on Sunday and think, I'm here at church, it's all good, I'm a disciple, you know, I'm following Jesus. But but let's not fall into that trap of thinking that attendance is the same as discipleship. If, If we are to be a disciple, we need to get some skin in the game. We can't just watch from the crowd. We can't just come along on a Sunday. It's about thinking, how can I love and obey Jesus with my head, my hands, and my heart? Jesus doesn't just want a crowd of people gathered around him. He wants people who are in his gang, people who are distinctive in their discipleship, people who are apprentices of the example that he has set for us all to follow, people who are loving and obeying him with their heads, their hands, and their hearts. Within Jesus' gang, there's a very simple DNA that keeps this group together, some gang rules, if you like. And the first gang rule is is that Jesus is at the centre of this gang. One of our core values as a church is that we keep Jesus central because we are a part of his gang. If we take our eyes off Jesus, we're losing the part and the focal point of what his gang and his tribe is all about. But as well as keeping Jesus central... Jesus' gang also need to accept the leadership that Jesus gives to them. Notice in this passage how the apostles were not appointed by the disciples, but instead they were appointed by Jesus. So if you have an issue with a leader that has been appointed by Jesus, then you also have an issue with Jesus. We were talking a little bit about this at our trustees meeting in our church this week, because Baptists, were very democratic. You know, if you can't vote on it, it's not, it's not a good thing. And we therefore think that this is a democratic process, that we are the people who appoint church leaders. But that's not the case. As Baptists, we gather together to discern the mind of Christ together. And so as we appoint new leaders into our church, yeah, we democratically vote... And we affirm that this is who Jesus is calling to these roles. But it is Jesus who is calling and anointing and appointing to lead these into those positions of leadership. So if you've got an issue with me, that's fine. Take it up with me. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that but I'm not just appointed by a democratic process. I'm appointed because that is the person that, or because Jesus has called me to be the minister of this church and you guys, I'm sorry to put you under the bus here, but you all agreed. And so if you've got an issue with me, you've also got an issue with Jesus. It's part of our Baptist ecclesiology. Now I know leaders can abuse their position. I know leaders can get it wrong. And um, we even see that in the Bible. Take a look at Simon Peter, look at Judas. They were appointed by Jesus to lead and they got it wrong but they were still appointed by Jesus. If you want to be in Jesus's gang you need to recognize, value and support those who Jesus has placed in these positions of leadership and responsibility because it is his church, it is his gang and it is him who appoints those who he wants to lead, his people. As Jesus' gang gathers together uh, and they obey these gang rules, uh, we then see that the gang comes with some amazing power. Uh, throughout this bunch of misfits, uh, people were healed, diseases and evil spirits were cast out, and people were desperate just to be able to get a touch of Jesus because they saw the power Uh, in uh, that was at work through him this group of disciples had the amazing privilege of seeing the power of God break through into the world and we have the same privilege today they saw the joy of lives transformed the hope of a generation reawoken and the love of God revealed to all people and guess what we have the same privilege as Jesus's disciples today But not only did they have the opportunity to see what Jesus was doing, they also had the opportunity to play their part. This passage is the start of a movement that happens throughout Luke's gospel. Uh, It starts in this passage in Luke 6 as Jesus appoints his 12 apostles to lead his disciples. In Luke 9 he gives his authority to those 12 apostles that they too can go out with power and do the same stuff that Jesus was doing but away from him. In Luke 10, Jesus doesn't just call 12 of people and send them out, but he then goes out to 72 people and says, do you know what, I'm giving you 72 people my power, my authority, that you can go and do what I'm doing in a wider space. And as those 72 go and then come back to Jesus, they come back full of joy, reporting that Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And ultimately this leads us on to the Great Commission and the day of Pentecost that the Spirit of God comes upon the church. The same gang that Jesus starts off in this passage here in Luke 6. And as the Spirit comes upon them, Jesus sends them out to go and make disciples of all nations. That they could go and reveal the love and power of, the, of his kingdom being revealed throughout The world. This was a gang with power and we have that same power with us today. If only you want to choose to be in Jesus's gang. So let me ask you again, one last time, whose gang are you in? Because Jesus wants to invite you to be a part of his gang today. You might feel inadequate, You might not be sure what you're signing up for, but one thing's for sure. If you sign up to his new tribe, if you join his new gang, your life will never be the same and you will see the wonder of Jesus revealed throughout your life. Jesus is creating a new community of his people and he included some unexpected people in that gang. And that gang and those unexpected people might even be you. Will you find the unexpected call of Jesus to belong to his family, his new tribe, his great gang? Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you that following you is not something that we do alone that we are created for community, and you give us a gang, a new family, a new tribe that we can belong to as we gather together as your church family here in this place. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't just be a part of the crowd, but that we would be your disciples, seeking to love you and obey you with our heads, our hands, and our hearts, putting our discipleship into practice. Lord, we pray that as members of your gang here in this place, as members of this church, we pray that we might follow you and see that great power that you alone can reveal through your spirit working in and through us, through all that happens. And as we gather together and as we go out to serve and worship you throughout our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.